Welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm and trauma. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm and trauma. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Welcome back, everyone, to Start By Listening. We're so glad you're joining us today. And as you can tell, we're in a very special place. Mm-hmm. Hey there, it's Jennifer, a.k.a. The Friendly Therapist, with my co-host, Shelby. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're glad, you, we're glad you're joining us today. So today, oh my gosh, I've been so excited for this. So, so excited. We get to introduce you guys to the Bridges Program. It is a hidden gem here in Owensboro, Kentucky. And we have with us the amazing Misty and Rick. They are a husband-wife team duo here with all of these beautiful horses. <laughs> so I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. Welcome, guys, to Start By Listening. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's good to have you. Yes. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to working with horses and how this came to be. Back. As a child, my grandfather always saw to we had something to ride. He worked at the stockyards, and every spring he would buy three or four horses, and every fall he would sell them. And we never knew what we were going to get, whether they were broke, whether they were green, whether they were wild. We, we didn't know. And as a young man, he had seen a man get knocked off his horse, and his foot was hung in the stirrup, and it drugged the man to death. So we never got to ride with the saddle. All we got to ride was just a... Back in the day, it was a little old feed sack we put on their back, and we swing up on them and take off and go. Yeah. So that's how I learned to ride. I don't ride pretty. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not something you want to see on video, but I tend to stay on. Yeah. Um, fast forward a few years, life happened, got away from horses. About 10 or 12 years ago, I met Misty and we, uh, through a mutual friend, we were riding together for a while and I asked her what she did for a living and she told me and I told him, I thought to myself, this, this chick's nuts. She's, <laughs> she's just nuts. So Using horses sense. for this, not horse. You know, to, <clears throat> to me, they were, they were stock animals. Mm-hmm. They were farm animals. Yeah. yeah. But as I got involved and as I started seeing this work, I couldn't realize very quickly mm-hmm. they're far from stock animals mm-hmm. and they're far from livestock. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I was able to retire and work with Misty full time. Um, I left a job that paid well. Mm-hmm. It had benefits. Climate controlled environment. Climate controlled environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, had weekends, holidays, vacations. And now I get to work for nothing. I'm doing 60, 70 hours a week. I have no paycheck. I have no benefits. I work in a 30-degree barn for uh, the whole time. Um, yeah. You know, life's good. Yeah. Life is good. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> and oh. who is this in front of us? Oh, this is Patsy. She is new to our barn. Um, she came from a local rescue. She had been in Virginia working in a therapy program for five years. And the woman in that program, Robin, was retiring, selling her farm, mm-hmm. um, getting out of the business, so to speak. And the local rescue reached out to us 
and said, these courses are wonderful. Would you consider utilizing them in your program? And we've had her and her buddy Banjo for several months now acclimating them into the program. Yeah. So she is a beauty. The last three weeks, we've taken them down to Fort Campbell to work with the soldiers. Yes. And they've done real well. Really they've well. done real well with mm -hmm. the soldiers. So I'm sure there'll be more and more integrated into the program here in Owensboro mm -hmm. as, as time goes on now. Yes. yes. Okay. So for someone who has no idea what horse therapy is, I'm sure many people in our audience have no idea what horse therapy even entails. What, what does horse therapy look like? What does your clientele look like? What, how therapeutic are the horses in this process? Well, let me, let me go back to the beginning just a little bit. Perfect. I spent nine years in riding, mm -hmm. therapeutic type riding, mm -hmm. and was approached about EGALA equine assisted psychotherapy, which I had no idea what that meant. Mm -hmm. I'm in a room with about eight or nine other people. They showed a video. It was very moving. And as they went around the room and everybody's like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. In my head, I'm thinking, I don't want to be in this. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. have time for that. Yeah. But peer pressure, I okay. said yes. Uh, my friend Beth Kukenruther and I got some grant monies together and went to our first training in Versailles, Kentucky, under the EGALA model. By lunch on the first day, I said, this is not what horse people do. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what they're doing. I'm not smart enough to do what they do. I need to go. But I'm no quitter. Okay. So I got my certification in the summer of 2007 and started our first clients in June of 2008. Wow. Um, I inherited a love of horses from my mother. That is her legacy. I think I came out of the womb with that. How horses are therapeutic. The reason we utilize horses in this therapeutic approach is as prey animals, they literally are in sync with one another. Mm -hmm. Their heart rate, their respiration, they do everything together as a herd, as they demonstrated before we got started filming. Because they read body language, because they assess everything in their environment, they do the same thing with clients. Mm -hmm. They read the energy that you bring into the environment. And we tell our clients all the time, they don't, they don't judge us based on what we look like or the clothes we have or the job we have or how much money we have. They evaluate us based on our energy. Can I trust you? Can I not trust you? Is it safe? Is it not safe? And based on that, they make decisions about how they interact with us. Okay. We often use the term that the horses stand as a mirror in front of us to reflect back to us what we've brought into their environment. Mm -hmm. And it's special, the things that they do with people and how they do it. We have a varying client base. I'm watching Patsy lay down and roll in the dirt thinking I've got to clean that off later. Um, <laughs> we are a community care provider for the Veterans Administration. We work with veterans. We started a contract a little more than a year ago at Cumberland Hall Mental Health Hospital in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Almost two years now, yes. They approached us because their CEO has sort of an all-encompassing approach to therapy. They have a lot of unique opportunities there for therapy. And he reached out to us about horse therapy. So they are the first and only psychiatric hospital in the state of Kentucky to offer egalitarian work to their clients. And the clients that we work with every year, every week, excuse me, are soldiers from Fort Campbell, 
Active duty soldiers. Active duty. They come from Fort Campbell as a part of the partial hospitalization program. Mm -hmm. And part of their work day and their therapy day every Friday is to come out into an open arena with us year-round for a 90-minute session. Different soldiers each session for up to three sessions a day. And when their day is over at two, they go back to base. Um, So we do that. We work with a ton of adolescents. Mm -hmm. We provide individual and family work for the juvenile drug court program here in Davis County. We've done that for, I would say, at least 10 years now. Mm -hmm. A lot of drug and alcohol treatment, a ton of trauma. Mostly adolescents, family work, some group work, mm-hmm. and family work, especially through the juvenile drug court program, because that's a core component of those programs is to incorporate the family into the therapeutic approach. And they provide a unique opportunity for people to deflect their feeling and emotion onto the horse. Okay. It, it's not like talk therapy. Mm-mm. Obviously, it's a team approach in EGALA. We have a licensed mental health professional, and you have a certified equine specialist. But it's not talk therapy. Mm -hmm. Most of the questions that we ask are asked through the horse. Generally, the first question in any session when we process is, so tell me what happened with the horse or how did that go with the horse? And it allows the client the opportunity to tell their story. It's not about what we see. We do incorporate that into it when it's appropriate. It's about what the client sees and offering them an opportunity through non-interpretive language for them to tell their story through the horse. Mm-hmm. So do they beautiful. Yeah, do they ride, or is it just no. like one-on-one interactions with the horse? No, in the Gala model, it's all ground-based. Okay. Um, they never get on the back of the horse, because as one of my trainers said to me years ago, it's hard to see yourself if you're sitting on the mirror. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> so, I would be there. <laughs> That's yes. really a good quote. It is. <laughs> That's Mickey DiGiacomo's quote. I've never forgotten it. You know, um, Misty was talking about them being prey animals. Mm-hmm. And in the wild, they, they sink their heart rates. I don't care if it's one small herd of 10 horses or 50 or 100. They all sink their heart rates together. And they demonstrate that. And right there you saw an example of it. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you get within four to six feet of a horse, mm-hmm. they can literally feel your heart beating in your chest. Mm-hmm. They know you're there. They don't have to see you. They feel you. Mm-hmm. They know. Your energy that you bring in that is unspoken. And by that I mean we can ask you, well, how's your day going? smile and just be as pretty as me and say, I have a great day. Full well knowing your dog got run over, your car broke down, your house burned. Mm-hmm. I'm having a great day. Mm-hmm. You can lie to us. Mm-hmm. Okay? That horse will feel mm-hmm. through your biorhythms. That anxiety, that tension, that anger, that fear, whatever it may be. They feel that. The way that works in the wild, wild horses for the most part, don't nicker and whinny and call to one another. Mm-hmm. If they make that vocalization, they just told every predator within earshot where supper's at. They don't do it. They use those biorhythms and that energy they feel to keep each other on alert. And what happens is when one of them feels threatened or questions something, their ears will come up and they'll look in the direction of the threat. The whole herd will do the same thing. They don't know why they're doing it, but that one did so we all do it. Mm-hmm. That one takes off, they all take off. They don't know why they're doing it, but that one did, so we got to go with them. 
And they'll run far enough, they feel like they're safe, they'll turn around and look and see if anything's following them, chasing them. That herd dynamic then translates into client horse therapy. I don't know what I'm looking for, but when that client comes into that arena, that horse will pick up on the unspoken. Mm -hmm. And that's why this works. Yeah, to, you know, when I first, like I said, I first started talking to Missy, I thought, like, oh, she's, she's out there. It's uh, uh. <laughs> I've seen it work time mm -hmm. and time and time again. Things that are, a lot of times therapists, when they, when they reach a wall with the client and talk therapy, will bring that client out here. And there's something about that horse mm -hmm. that will let that wall drop and you're able to get to the root of the problem much quicker than you ever will in a sterile office environment. In, in the EGALA model, we have four standards, and that is client-focused, there's a team approach, ground-based, and an ethics that we operate by and abide by. Just like in here for this today, mm -hmm. in a session with a client, the horses are loose moving around. Okay. We even take the halter off. Today we left their halter on, but we even take the halter off. That way the horse gets to choose. Do I want to approach? Do I need to step away? And it just creates this very natural environment that a horse can function in and just be a horse. I believe riding is extremely therapeutic. And we do have a component of therapeutic horsemanship that we do where maybe 5% of our riders, maybe 5%. 5% of clients ride? Yeah. May sit on the back of a horse at some point. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. If that's important to the client. Mm -hmm. Well, it's more about, you know, when we, when we discuss self-regulation, mm -hmm. <sighs> sitting on the back of a horse, is there a therapeutic benefit to the client for them to sit up there and to get that self-regulation, literally feeling the movement of the horse. Mm -hmm. When you ride a horse, you use every muscle group in your body the same as if you were power walking on the ground. Yeah, that makes sense. So you, ride, you ride a horse for a mile, it's the same thing physically as walking a mile. Yes. Okay. So when you sit the back of a horse, and you just sit, usually we're leading the horse because they don't know how to ride. Mm -hmm. We just want them, literally, to feel the movement of the horse and have that feeling go through your whole body. You know, start to focus on what part of you moves when the horse moves. Mm. You know, do you feel when that right front leg is on the rail moving forward and then the left? Because you should, because your hips are moving in rhythm with the hips and the movement of the horse. Mm -hmm. You can feel, and the rider can generally feel, when the horse relaxes because they've relaxed Absolutely. You see that on the ground all the time. You can physically see when a horse lets down and relaxes their body when they're on the ground with a client. Yeah. So we do have that, and I believe riding a horse can be very therapeutic. But anything we do under the heading of therapy, mm -hmm. we understand ethically we need to have the appropriately licensed certified people in this arena to do that work. Mm -hmm. I like that, like you said, it takes a team approach. 
And then I look at the parallels of the team mindset and I'm anthropomorphizing. What's that word? Anthropomorphizing. (laughs) I'm doing that in this moment. I'm aware where I'm putting onto the horses Mm -hmm. this idea of a team. Yes. But it Mm -hmm. does take multiple people within the herd, people, multiple horses within the herd to ensure safety, security, regulation. Just mm-hmm. like when providing therapy mm-hmm. for especially highly traumatized individuals, yes. like if you're working with multiple soldiers, mm-hmm. it's not just one no. because there's too much. You have yes. to have multiple people to be able mm-hmm. to see and to reflect back mm-hmm. and yes. to notice. And then I would think the biorhythms of the soldiers themselves mm-hmm. start to come online and become in sync. Oh, yes. And then it's like, is it safe enough to ask, may we ask others what they saw? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And same thing with the horses. It's it's like this biorhythm. It just becomes infused. And that, mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful quality that so many, I think like psychotherapists mm-hmm. who are in private practice, yes. if they're alone, mm-hmm. they don't have like at New Beginnings, you know, we have like six therapists. Yes. So we have our own herd, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I mean, you think about it. <laughs> and so we utilize each other, support, mm-hmm. consult, yes. and to assist. Mm-hmm. And that is missing within um, the the world of private practice because you don't have that herd. Oh, he is so interested, so isn't curious. he? <laughs> he is so curious. Therapists keep soap notes or whatever they're, you mm-hmm. know, model is that they utilize but as a horse person we keep a spud sheet oh that was a potato (laughs) yeah and a spud stands for shifts patterns uniqueness discrepancy and apostrophe s so i and rick are looking for shifts in the horse herd so for instance in non-interpretive language you know there's a nose touching Mm -hmm. There's a hand touching a nose mm-hmm. in my notes. Mm-hmm. And the shifts are anything that a horse does. Mm-hmm. See that head moved right, now left again. Non-interpretive. Mm-hmm. So shifts and patterns. P in the spud is for patterns. I'm looking for patterns of behavior. A horse can do something once mm-hmm. and just be a horse. Two times might be a happy accident. Three times is on purpose. So through each session, we're looking for patterns of behavior which are going to tell us about our client. Mm-hmm. Stop. Unique, no. Oh, he better. <laughs> he did. Oh. Unique is when you see your horse do something and go, wow, that's odd. I don't, they don't normally behave that way. They don't normally do that. Not, you know, my dandy doesn't normally act like that. Mm-hmm. D in spuds is a little D. And that's the note I make about clients. That's my human part. Mm -hmm. And discrepancy is when the client's words don't match their actions. And the most common one is, 
oh my goodness, I'm terrified of horses. And the whole time they're telling you that, they're walking up to approach a horse. From the rear. Lighting the danger zone. I'm scared yeah. to death of them. And I know the one thing you never do is approach them from the behind and they're right up there yeah. behind. You know, that's a discrepancy because you're telling me one thing, but you're doing another. Yeah. I feel like that's yeah. a lack of self-awareness though. Like you know that you have this fear, but then you're just completely unaware of how your body is in that moment. Sometimes it is a lack of awareness. Other times it's, I'm coming in here to present to you what I think you want to hear. Okay. And the apostrophe S on spuds is our stuff. Mm-hmm. Because in that team approach, we all bring life experience mm-hmm. into our work every oh, day. Yes. We bring what happened this morning into our work every day. You can't help that. That's what makes you who you are. But that piece about self-awareness is vitally important because if you're not aware it impacts the session. It impacts the client, especially in this environment mm-hmm. where our energy as a team is impacting what happens in here. So in that respect, when you're in a session and something comes up for you, mm-hmm. you look at your partner and go, okay, look, is this my apostrophe S or is this something we need to talk about with a client? Mm-hmm. And as a team, you go, I think that's your apostrophe S. We'll talk about that after session. Nice. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's therapeutically beneficial. Yes, we need to discuss this with the client. Let's have this conversation. So that team approach is so beneficial because when you're stuck or you think, oh, gosh, is this just me or did that really, is that important? Yeah. You know, that other part of your team goes, you know, that's important. Let's discuss it. And then if it is your personal thing that doesn't need to be brought into the arena, then when the client leaves as a team, we discussed that. Mm-hmm. You know, what what is that coming from? Where is it coming from? Is it something with the client? Is it a personal experience? How do we deal with that to make sure that doesn't come into this space? Mm-hmm. And as crazy as this sounds, <laughs> when I'm having sessions and we've got clients and I've had a particularly stressful morning or something hard has happened, I don't want my stuff to come into the arena. I will make it a point to go through every horse I'm going to use and go, look, my stomach is through the roof today. My heart is racing. I'm very upset. This is what happens. Because for some reason, I don't know why, horses respond to the unspoken. It's what we're holding in that they're picking up the energy for. Once you verbalize it and it's out here, they stop. And the benefit to that is when you internalize trauma, when you internalize a problem, it wreaks havoc on the body and the mind. Mm -hmm. In this therapeutic approach, what we're trying to do is this entire space is a canvas. Let's take all of this out here, put it out here. And when you look at it from out here, it it takes on a whole different perspective. You see it differently. And the minute you verbalize it, a horse stops responding to it because now everybody knows, which is a strange thing to say. And I'll give you an example. The therapist and the team members, of course, we're in the arena the whole time with a client, but we try to stay out of the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're over in a corner. We're someplace else. We will move strategically if we need to, to make sure we can see, obviously, everything that's happening. But I had a family in an arena many years ago with a therapist. And one of the parents stepped outside of the arena behind the wall. 
And in that arena, we had a big door that closed that led back to the stalls. Mm -hmm. And the other parent and the child were in the arena trying to do the exercise. And one of the horses went to the exit door and nudged it. Mm. Oh, wow. And then he nudged it again. And now he's kicking it with his hoof. And I leaned into the therapist and I said, somebody wants out. And I think it's the parent outside the rail. And, of course, we're whispering that. They can't hear us. And all of a sudden, that parent says, looks like somebody wants out of here as bad as I do. Wow. And that horse stopped what he was doing, turned around and looked at us, and then went right back over to the other parent and child and participated in the exercise with the other horse. And it was over because it had been verbalized. Yeah. We're we're good. They just picked up on that energy. So yes. the word that just keeps coming to mind that I don't think we've said out loud in this podcast yet, just co-regulation, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yes. We talk about that all the time with polyvagal theory, and it's mm-hmm. just uh, that that systems approach, mm-hmm. like that we're all connected yes. and they're picking up on that energy. That's mm-hmm. really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the benefit is so many people are in therapy nowadays. They know how to talk their way through things, Mm -hmm. but we talk, but we don't take action. We just verbalize all kinds of things without really sometimes listening to even what we're saying Mm -hmm. (laughs) and certainly what's being said back to us. Mm -hmm. We have clients come into this arena and they are so dysregulated Mm -hmm. that just coming in the door has been a feat. I mean, they've psyched themselves up all night. They've been sick about it. They have worried. They have stressed. They can't breathe. And we will bring them into the arena, tie a horse off. This is one of those situations, halter lead rope, tie them off on the rail and say, here's a brush. Sometimes not even a brush. We show them where the heave line is on the horse, where you can feel the horse breathe deep behind the ribcage. And we just ask them. Put your hand on the heave line. Close your eyes if you feel comfortable. And start to breathe with the horse. A horse at rest will breathe about 8 to 14 respirations a minute. That's not a lot of breaths. It's very, very slow. That's less than a human. Yes, it's much mm-hmm. less than a human. Mm-hmm. And they start to self-regulate with the horse. Oh, wow. And once they start to be able to catch their breath... And then you start to talk about, okay, what do you what do you hear? I hear horses munching hay. I hear a bird. I hear an airplane. You know. And then you start to bring them back to the present. They're grounding. Yeah. And here we are. And from there, a week or two or three or four, then we can start to bring this horse in and start to deal with what else we need to get to. Mm-hmm. Because the client has started to learn that self-regulation with the horse. Wow. They are amazing at that. That's magic. Like the word magical. Yes. You know? know. like, And there's so much symbolism, right? Mm-hmm. And so much yes. beauty of a horse just in its physical form. Mm-hmm. And the eyes are so soulful. A lot of people talk about that as they do, like an elephant's eyes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're peering into a soul. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to ask a question I've never asked on a podcast before. Okay. Which is, oh, no. I know. Okay. That was a good question. <laughs> right. It came to me. Okay. But from your all's perspective of being, I'm going to call it horse people, mm-hmm. and then coming into this, this world of 
Igala and mm-hmm. equine therapy. What has it been like over the last, gosh, 14 years, 15 years, mm-hmm. to have a seat and see transformation happen in real time? Mm-hmm. What is that like? It's what keeps you coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see tangible results yeah. with your clients. Very quickly, you know, and and I I go back to our drug court children. Those kids have a pre rugged life, mm-hmm. and they come out here, and the walls tend to come down, and they talk about things and work their way through things, and we try to plant that seed of a way of a better life. Yeah. And every once in a while, you win. And that's what keeps you coming back. There's times where you look and you just wonder, are we even getting through? Yeah. Are you even, are you going to make it? You know, you're just a kid. If you're just a kid, are you going to make it? And then she'll see one of them out somewhere and they've got a wife and they've got two little kids and they got a job and you think, okay, <laughs> that's why we do what we do. That's why that's why we get up at four o'clock in the morning and drive to Cumberland Hall and work with soldiers. And that's why we come out here and spend ten hours a day in January. It it is powerful. When I sit down sometimes and I think someday I'm gonna sit down and type all of these stories out um, for my own benefit, when you start to look back and think about the powerful moments that you see with your horses and people. When I was first trained in Igala, they said clients will think about this for months and months and months down the road, and then they will have an aha moment. And there was a research study that said clients that have to drive 30 minutes to get to therapy and 30 minutes back. 30 or more. 30 or more saw greater benefit because they got into the mindset of coming to therapy. Yeah. And then they could process that all the way home. And a lot of times our families will talk about it to and from. Mm -hmm. They said that and I thought, well, okay, maybe. But even as a member of the team, I left the barn one night many years ago. And it had been about six or seven months after a session with a client who had completed with us and was no longer with us. When all of a sudden I could see her session I could see the moment the light switch went on, and it was so powerful for me and so visceral that I started to cry on the way home. Yeah. And I thought, wow. I had a client come back four years later and show us a painting she had done of horses, my horses, mm. and said, it just now got to me why the horse wouldn't cross that pole. I mean, they're still thinking about it. They're still processing what happened with this yeah. horse. And trying to work their their way through what's happening. I will tell you that it has taught me more about myself as a person. Energy. Look at oh, that. Oh, my. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm feeling it, too. And yeah. that's why I, was, I mean, is it cool in here? Yes. But the shivers is yes. because of the energy. It has taught me so much about myself. Yeah. And made me more aware yeah. of who I am. How I respond to people. Long before I ever did therapy and knew that was even a thing. Mm. 
with horses. I had a horse many, 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 many years ago. And I came to the barn one day and I'd had a terrible day. <laughs> I was in a horrible mood. Yeah. And I got that horse ready with my teeth gritted. I mean, I was just mad. I'd had a terrible day. It was just, and I had carried it with me. And I got on and I thought, we're going to ride off the farm, go back in this field, and I'm going to ride. And the horse wouldn't go. He stopped. We walked across the yard and he stopped and turned back to his pasture. Wow. And I'm like, come on, let's go. You know, I'm cueing. See, the energy's up because my energy went up right there. Yeah. And he wouldn't go. And oh, now I'm mad. I was already mad. You know, yeah. now you're not listening to me. Yes. So now I'm really getting on him. Yes. And he went to the fence. It was a black wooden fence. Put his chest in it. And he pushed so hard that the piece of wood bowed. And it took me a few minutes to get there when he did that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, Misty. And I stopped what I was doing and I took a breath and I got off. Because what he was saying to me is, I'm not going anywhere with you. I'm going back to my herd and either... We can go the easy way or we can go the hard way. Mm-hmm. And I got off and I walked him back to the barn and I took his saddle off and I brushed and with tears, I apologized profusely, gave him a treat and put him in the field. Mm-hmm. And I came back the next day and we were fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they pick up on that. And I tell clients, if my horse is doing something and you think, I don't like how this horse is responding to me, look at yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's never, we tell clients in the Egala model, there is no right or wrong. It's never about the end goal. Mm-hmm. And we tend to be focused on, we got to do, do A, B, C, D, and then we get to E. And we're so goal oriented yes. Yes. that we lose the opportunity to live in the moment and be aware of what's happening in the process. Mm-hmm. And we tell them this is about the process. This is about what you learn about yourself and this horse while you're going through this process. It's never about the end result. It's never about the goal or the task that we have for you with your horse. It's never about that. It's always about what what are you learning about yourself as you spend time in the presence of this horse. So you said anthropomorphizing earlier, which makes me I think butchered the word. <laughs> it, it, it makes me think it comes up in conversation here a lot because uh, it does. How do you feel about like putting human personality traits attributed to the horses? Like, is that something that is beneficial? Like, looking at them in a human like friendship way, or is this more about the body self regulation, like that grounding connection? Yes. The answer to that is yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of the word. It's the only $15 word I know. I'm very aware of it and I know it and I, I still do it myself. Mm-hmm. However, it is about that because in the Egala model, we, we work in metaphor. Mm-hmm. When we ask the question, okay, what, what happened with your horse? Wherever the client takes it, we go. And oftentimes our horses don't even, our horses, excuse me, our clients don't even know the name of their horse. Mm -hmm. So that horse can become to them whatever they need it to be. So for instance, if this horse represents my relationship with my mom, then every time we speak of this horse in the arena, it's mom. Okay. If this horse represents drugs, Patsy is drugs, then forever that horse is drugs in their session until they change that. Mm -hmm. So... We do anthropomorphize a bit mm-hmm. because you do see their little personalities and 
you know, we do that. And yet at the same time, it's important for us as horse people more so than anybody else Mm -hmm. to be aware always that this is a prey animal with a wild mindset. You know, it's tame. However, that instinct will never leave them. And we need to view them through the lens of a horse. We don't want to take away from the power and the majesty of this animal by trying to give it human characteristics. Mm -hmm. We need it to be who it is. And it's interesting to watch because as the client, what's that word? Anthropomorphizes. There you go. (laughs) As the client does that, it's interesting to watch their interpretation of what the horse is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times, uh, Misty tells a story all the time about the client who the horse kept nipping and biting, nipping and biting, nipping and biting. Really, mm-hmm. to the point where we're going to have to intervene. And you step up to him, what's going on with your horse? This horse loves me. This horse wants to get close to me. It's trying to connect with me. The lady was suffering severe trauma mm-hmm. from being physically abused. Mm-hmm. In her mind, this horse, while hurting her, mm-hmm. was loving her. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That, so that, in her so mind, powerful. Mm-hmm. that that more whatever that is. So you you watch. It's interesting how a client re- interprets mm-hmm. the horse's behavior into human characteristics. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. But it's always insightful. Yes. And my old redneck way of looking at things, you know, they're horses. Mm-hmm. Okay, they do horse stuff. They're always going to do horse stuff. But the horse is so intelligent. We don't give them credit. When I was a young man, it was thought that the horse was one of the dumbest animals on the farm. Mm-hmm. It was pigs, cows, horses. Pigs were the smartest. Mm-hmm. Cattle were next. The horses were so stupid, they'll run back in a burning barn. That is interesting. And they do. But come to find out, as research has gone through time, horses actually are extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. They have, for lack of a better term, a photographic memory. And think about a horse in the wild. Why, why, why is that important? They have to know where every water hole, every food source, they have to know where they are in relationship to each of those places to be able to survive throughout, especially the harsh winter months. And this research has shown that a horse can learn up to 500 words. They have a vocabulary that's almost as large as ours. Holy so while they while they may not understand the true meaning of the word, they understand the inflection of your voice and what you're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. Energy. So, mm-hmm. Misty, we're yin and yang. She's <laughs> she's the horse whisperer, and I'm the little redneck grabs hold up and say, "You behave now." <laughs> so, as those things go together, it's been interesting to watch how clients interpret behavior into human traits truly is and the power of the client telling their own story that client was in a group of people and we never unless again it's a therapeutic benefit if we have to make an intervention due to safety we never let the client know that Mm -hmm. unless there's a therapeutic benefit to the client knowing and with these two horses there were two horses and six clients in the arena and my team. Mm-hmm. The horse was aggressive. 
he had his ears pinned. He didn't want her near his horse herd. He didn't want her near him. And we literally stepped between them. Now, she had no idea that's what we did. We just said, hey, can we stop just a minute to process what's going on? And as she talked about what the horse was doing, we knew she had a traumatic brain injury, but the traumatic brain injury was from domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So then it made sense mm-hmm. why the horse responded to her the way that he did. Yeah. We had another young client that walked in the back of the barn into a round pen, and there was a, it wasn't even one of our horses. It was a horse that belonged to a gentleman on the farm. Um, it was a show horse, mm-hmm. three-year-old, little colt, well, gelding at that point. And he kept nipping at her. And she kept putting her hands up there. And he's nipping. And we didn't even have to say anything. She came with an outside therapist that that brought her to us. And the therapist commented on, this is what you do in every relationship. You view pain as love. And she acknowledged that's normally how that works. So if I had approached my client and said, oh, my gosh, this horse has its ears pinned at you pinned at you, and it's being aggressive, I would have completely cut off that client's ability to tell her story because mm-hmm. I would have interpreted what was happening for her. Mm-hmm. Instead, you walk up and say, so what's going on with your horse? And wherever the client takes it, that's where you go. Mm-hmm. To this day, that woman never knows that horse was aggressive with her. But she talked her way through it. So it's interesting. It's a fine line. You know, we all, we love these horses so much and we know all their own little personalities and and who's got to do what almost before they do it. So you do tend to anthropomorphize them just a little bit. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you want to preserve the majesty and the power of who they are as a horse, not just as a horse that I see through the lens of my humanity. So do you get the opportunity to see those relationships change over time? Like, do people come back for multiple sessions or is this just oh, kind yes. of like a one-time thing? And you say that you they put characteristics on it, like this is mom mm-hmm. or this is drugs, and mm-hmm. then that relationship changes. Um, so I'm assuming that their interactions with the horse change, but do, mm-hmm. the story that that horse plays, what what's it like seeing that in real time? It is, I hate to use this word over and over, but it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. It is profound to see how that shifts over time. To watch them come in apprehensive. And again, so many times adults in particular, not adolescents. Adolescents are just blunt. They'll just tell you the truth. I love working with with, um, adolescents because they'll just tell you. But adults come in and they, they are concerned about how people view them and how we see them and, and all of those things. What they don't realize is we're not looking at you that way. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the horse. Rick is watching the horse. Mm-hmm. Tell when the light bulb goes off for a client. And that is an amazing moment to see. You can tell when all of a sudden, because when they come in, mm-hmm. none of this makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. They think I'm crazy. They think this is crazy. Um, they've heard about it. Some of them have been in treatment facilities in other parts of the country where that where this approach is utilized and they specifically asked to come here for aftercare. But so many people don't really know what this is mm-hmm. and they come in and we think they think we're crazy. You know, I, I, what am I doing out here in the middle of this arena, <laughs> this horse running around like a crazy person? When the light bulb goes on, you can see it. 
you can see the client go, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And it hits them between the eyes. And from there on out, they see it. They get it. They tell their own story. It that's, is, that's in that wall they have up comes tumbling down. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it tumbles. It's not, it's not like it's one brick at a time. It just, it's down. It's, yes. It's interesting to watch. It's an interesting dynamic when that all comes together. Many, many, many years ago, I had uh, a group coming from a group home setting. And I believed when I started this that I had to get horses in the barn. They had to be brushed. They had to be groomed. They had to look perfect. I had a plan for everything as a horse person. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the person that puts the exercises with the horses together based mm -hmm. on the treatment plan from the therapist. Everything has to go correctly, mm -hmm. which is not possible when you're working with thousand-pound animals and mm -hmm. human beings. But I believed that I could control all of that. And I got up on the hill to get horses, and something, don't know what, had pushed horses through an electric fence. So I have two minis trapped inside. They will not come near the fence because they've been shocked. The fence is down on the ground. It's ticking. You can hear it. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, people, are, you know, I've got clients. What am I going to do? And, mm -hmm. and before I could formulate a plan and figure anything out except to shut the electric fence off, mm -hmm. I hear voices. <laughs> and the therapists are coming up the hill with the clients. There are six of them, and now I don't know what to do. And I pulled the therapist aside, and she said, well, just tell them what's going on. I said, okay, look, this is what's happened. Something has forced them through the fence. The fence was down. They've obviously been touched by the electric, and now they're terrified. They won't go through it. And they start to ask questions. And I said, no, they've had something bad happen to them this morning. And while they're horses... Yes. However, they don't forget when bad things happen to them either. Mm -hmm. And all of the sudden, one by one, each of these clients go, well, I understand that. And they start sharing their stories. Yeah. And I thought, I just went, I thought, oh, my gosh. I can't, you know. I had sunglasses on, which was good, because I thought, oh, mm -hmm. it, was, it was emotional. It was visceral. Yeah. And so when they finished telling their stories of horrible trauma and sexual abuse, they said, well, can we try? Thank you. <clears throat> I'm like, yeah, the halters and lead ropes are right there with, you know, the fence is off. And we just stood back. And that group of children got halters on both of those horses talked them through it. And when those horses and those clients jumped that dangerous fence that was on the ground, I mean, their arms went in the air, they shouted, they screamed, and I thought, I cannot believe what I just saw. So again, what that taught me in my apostrophe S is, I think I have to orchestrate and control. And the reality is, if I just step back and trust the process, again, my clients know what they need to do. In, in this environment, just that transparency and understanding that horses experience bad things. And while they deal with it in a slightly different way, they still have to work their way through it. And the clients completely related to that. And that was probably one of the most powerful, successful moments I had ever seen with horses and clients. And when I got up on that hill that morning, I thought this was a disaster. <laughs> But if you step back and let the clients and horses have this space, 
they get there. They get there. And it's powerful when they do. And it's not that we put them there or we got them there. They did it. Mm-hmm. And they did that because somebody said, hey, just tell them what happened. Yeah. That's authenticity. Yes. That's, yes. that's acknowledging in that moment. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. And that allowed for connection. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about that last week with mm-hmm. the podcast when Ken said, I meet people right where they are. Mm-hmm. And you've, yes. you've got to be authentic to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. Yes. And you've got to be willing um, to be scared. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to not have the answer. Right? <laughs> because... When people come to therapy, right, when people come to New Beginnings, when people come to the Bridges program, it's not because life is wonderful. Mm -mm. Something is not working. Mm -hmm. And for many times, and I'm sure you all have heard this as well, many times we have clients that show up for therapy and they'll say, well, this is my last ditch effort. Mm -hmm. Nothing else has worked. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And then that internal begins to happen and it's like, oh, I got I'm pressured. I'm pressured mm-hmm. myself. Yes. Because I need to make something be good. Yes. Right. And but when we learn to right, that's when all that beauty and magic happens. Like in this moment, like they're very calm. Pat's in advantage of over standing. Not now, no, she's like about to get that right. She's like here. I want but, to kiss her on the neck and she's like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. You didn't ask for consent. But I think that's a powerful thing energetically to experience as well. And like you said, Rick, it's like not just one brick. It's the whole wall. You know? Mm-hmm. And in order for that wall to come tumbling down, there has to be safety. Mm-hmm. Or else our nervous system... Mm-hmm will not allow for that. Mm-hmm. I have a question because you you all both know I love polyvagal theory. I talk mm-hmm. about it all the time. Shelby knows I love polyvagal theory. And it's just a lens. It's mm-hmm. not a modality. It's just a lens. But I'm curious because of all of the trauma that is held in this ground, in these walls, mm-hmm. right? Just like in my office when mm-hmm. people come in, in your office, Shelby, mm-hmm. those walls hold a lot. Mm-hmm. How do the horses, because they're energetic beings, how do they release trauma that is energetic? You know, that's, what do they do to regulate themselves? Like, I know what I tell my clients to do to help with regulating their nervous system, things I do in my office that I've shared, mm-hmm. you know, to help other people. But how do, how do horses discharge energy that's mm-hmm. not theirs? Sometimes you notice when they go back to their stall, mm-hmm. they'll just lay down. Mm-hmm. Or they will close their eyes standing and just rest. You don't notice them release the energy until you hear that <sighs> deep breath. And then you realize, okay, they, they've shed that. Mm-hmm. There have been times where we have pulled horses outside and let them eat grass and brush them. Mm-hmm. It's almost a way to just brush it off. Mm-hmm. You know, let's brush it off. You notice them go out into the pasture and run and run and run for several minutes. Mm-hmm. 
and then stop and get a big drink like they, they need to refresh themselves. Yeah. And sometimes even in here, when a client walks out, they will run and run and run. And then you feel them take that, you hear them and feel that deep breath happen. Mm-hmm. And they just relax and let it out. Mm-hmm. I had a horse once with a client and their energy was so intense. Ooh. That when the session was over and the client walked out, I I saw that horse for about 15 minutes could not be touched. She could not be touched. When you went to approach her, she would pin her ears and nip at you like, oh, and then she would realize it was you and go, oh, okay, but no, <laughs> give me a minute. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes. That's a long time. Yes, it was. It's the longest I've ever seen a horse go with that to carry that with them. But literally, when that person came into the arena, and I had never had that experience before, I was shaking. I didn't know why, but I had that experience. But it took Chessie probably 15 minutes, and she went and stood in the corner of the arena with her face in the corner and just stood there. And initially, I went to approach to put her in her stall, and again, she's like, "Uh uh-uh, wait, don't touch me. I mean, pinned her ears at me like I'm I mean it and so I just step back and wait (laughs) and I would give her a few minutes and try again she's like "Mm, not yet 15 minutes that she stood in the corner with her nose in the corner in the wall and just waited and after that 15 minutes I put a halter on her I rubbed her on the neck and and I walked her back to her stall and she started eating and we were done Mm -hmm. but 15 minutes so sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of giving them a few minutes in between to decompress or put them back in their stall. It's interesting. You just never know when mm-hmm. when that's going to happen. And the other side of that coin, Misty talked about how when bad things happen, they don't forget, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't dwell on the hold them either. No. If they did, you can never use a horse because everybody's stuff that they bring in here, you drive that horse crazy yes. by the end of the day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah. Horses... By their very nature, do not hold on to trauma or injury. They don't show it. Because, think of the herd dynamic. And I'm having a bad day, and I'm feeling sorry for myself, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm standing out here with my head down. The herd walks off a little bit. Go, go on over there. Next thing you know, the wolves eat me. Mm-hmm. If they're injured, they do not show injury. I mean, for a horse to show an injury, they're really hurt. Mm-hmm. because every predator sitting watching that herd is waiting to see the one mm-hmm. whose mind's not right or who's physically injured. That's who we're going to hit. Easy target. So yes. the horses yes. shed that. That's what enables them to be able to work the way they work. Yeah. Do they forget? <laughs> no, I don't think they do. However, they don't dwell on, mm-hmm. nor do they hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they remember it, but okay, it's gone. And you move on. And yeah. I tell people all the time when not in the Egala model, but when I'm doing horsemanship with them or working with children or young, young adults, it's okay for you to fight with that horse the entire hour. Y'all are going to have the horse having a bad day. You're having a bad day. Invariably, it's going to happen on the same day. And you're going to fight and argue the whole hour. Yeah. But as long as the last thing you do with that horse is positive, that's what that horse will remember. Mm-hmm. That horse will remember the hour of fight. They'll remember the last thing you do is smile at them, mm-hmm. brush them, give them a treat, and put them up. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to end on. You always want to end on a positive. 
because that's what that horse will remember. Same with our clients. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I, I desperately, and I'll use that word, I desperately want people to leave my space feeling much lighter and feeling better. Better than when they got there. Because that's important. Mm -hmm. Yes. We have a very eclectic herd. We have bought some. We have been given some. <laughs> There's no such thing as a free horse, by the way. Um, <laughs> I can only imagine, like, in my mind, I'm like, oh vet bills, like, hay oh, bills, like, yeah. mm. alfalfa pellet bills. Yeah. I, I've been awake for two weeks worrying about hay. But <laughs> we, they, they come from all kinds of places. Yeah. We have several from rescues. Some have been in kill pens. Some have been literally wild horses in eastern Kentucky. Some have been bred in high dollar farms with more breeding than I have on paper. And they're very important in what their pedigree is. <laughs> and they know it. And some who you really don't know what their background is. You bought them. And they came to you underweight and scarred and nervous about you, mm -hmm. which is very representative of all the people that walk in the door. Yeah. We all have a different background. We all come from a different place. But we all need the same things. We need someone to hear us. We need someone to validate that we're being heard. Yes. And that what we say and who we are matters. And again, we don't tell our clients a lot about horses, but it's interesting at times people will choose a horse that when they do finally figure out a little bit more about this horse, they see themselves so much in this horse. Like Rick was saying, horses have bad things happen to them. They have traumatic things that will happen to them. And over the years, we have worked with several of our horses that we know have had something bad happen because they respond a certain way to certain things. <laughs> and they are through it. They're better about it, but they've never forgotten it because every now and then you still see that little bit of a response or a reaction over it. But again, like Rick said, they don't have time to dwell yeah. on this bad thing happening and look at me now. Mm -hmm. They've got to pick up and they've got to move forward, which is a powerful lesson for our clients. We're not saying it didn't happen. We're not saying it's not impactful. We're not saying it's not important that you walk your way through this. Yeah. But at the end of the day, take the next step. Keep moving forward. Because if you don't, you die where you are. And they're, they're very attuned to that. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Yes. And that's true because so many of us get stuck. Mm -hmm. And our trauma. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see it every day. Yes. I've seen it in my own personal life. I've seen mm -hmm. it in McLean's lives. Mm -hmm. And it does take that willingness, awareness, and the collective mm -hmm. to help maneuver through that. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, Dr. Gabor Matei, who I love, he's just an amazing doctor. And he said, we get trauma not from the traumatic event. We get trauma from being left alone following because we don't have that connection. We don't have that collective to help us process those energetic emotions through our body, to mm -hmm. hold us, 
to co-regulate, mm-hmm. to 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 tell us it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's what we're missing. And it's like I think about just COVID in the last three years mm-hmm. and how much COVID has changed our world mm-hmm. and so much disconnection yes. it has created. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if I was watching a TikTok or a Facebook video a couple of years ago. They said that when COVID begins to dissipate, it will not be a loud rush return. Mm-hmm. It will be a very quiet very dysregulated return. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. And I feel that mm-hmm. it is. It's been very quiet. It's mm-hmm. been eggshells yes. tipping toes. And is this safe? Is this not safe? Oh, here comes now the prehistoric algae that's being <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so much. Yes. I'm just making stuff up at this yes. point. Yes, yes. We don't know because mm-hmm. so much has come mm-hmm. up. We had started to see a shift in clients and that disconnect mm-hmm. before COVID. We had started to see it and then COVID hit and now we have this massive disconnect. For years, clients came into the arena and we told them, we're not going to tell you anything about your horse and, and you know how, to, how they want to buy the horse. And they'd be like, oh. Well, that reminds me of me, or that horse is like my dad. And now they're like, they don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And people will say to us, well, how can I build a relationship if I don't know the name that's called by? I wouldn't want to be called Sally when my name is Jim. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this horse is Patsy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move forward from there. There's a greater divide in the ability to connect. Yeah. On, a, on an emotional level, on a physical level, um, it, it's been it's been a bit of a shift that we have noticed over the last three years, the last two especially. Would yes. you say that certain people or certain horses gravitate towards certain people, or do you see like similarities between the individuals that horses are more comfortable with immediately, um, or? Is it very random? I'd say it's very random because how generally a, a client for us will come in and we will introduce them to the herd. Mm-hmm. We don't pick their horse for them. They come in, we introduce them to the herd, and the horse chooses them. Okay. They choose the horse, but the horse chooses them. And it's interesting how clients even will perceive that. Back at, at times when the weather's nice, we have actually taken them out into a field with a whole herd. Mm-hmm. And we, we have a mayor on the end over here who's the boss of the herd. Her name is Cheyenne. She's the boss of everybody. And one client said, well, I'm, I'm going to choose her because the other horses don't like me. <laughs> well, the other horses wouldn't come up to me. She did. What the client didn't know is the other horses were standing back looking at her. They wanted to approach, but Cheyenne's the herd boss. She wouldn't let them. Mm-hmm. They knew better. Now, the client chose Cheyenne, mm-hmm. but ultimately we had to have a conversation with her openly about boundaries and what that horse behavior was. Horses have very defined boundaries. Very. <laughs> very defined. Very. And I tell people all the time, 
in our horse herd. If number three wants to, be, if number four wants to become number three, number three will pin its ears and look at number four, trying to get back in place. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. Three will pin its ears, turn and fight, as you've seen Patsy do the banjo here a little bit this morning. Mm-hmm. Here we go. The next thing they'll do is they'll pin their ears biting and turn and kick them until they get back to be number four. You, you know, you cross the line. You cannot come up here. You are, you, no. Mm-hmm. They have very defined boundaries. And a lot of times our clients have no boundaries. Mm-hmm. They have very boundary poor. And part of the therapeutic value of a horse having boundaries is they very quickly show the client, Mm -hmm. these are my boundaries. You don't cross them and you don't come into them. The client has to pick up on the fact that, okay, this is what I have to do to earn this respect, earn this trust, to allow that wall to come down for that horse so that I can come into their space. So. I could walk you through each horse in this barn and tell you their personality and how they generally respond to people. When it comes to clients, all bets are off. Mm -hmm. And we see that every Friday because we have the same horse herd Mm -hmm. with three different groups. And those groups can be anywhere from eight to ten people. Group one can come in, and horses are wired for electric. I mean, they're running. They won't stand still. You can't put your hands on them. First group leaves. 15 minutes passes, second group comes in, horses just quiet, stand still, they can approach and brush, and third group comes in, different, different herd again. That's that's wild, like wild. Yes, and what is so interesting is that the therapists that bring these groups out are the same people each week, and so they get to see group one, and then the other one sees group two, and then they come back with group three, and they can even point out to us, these horses are behaving completely different than they did at 9 o'clock this morning. Yes, because the energy that came into their environment has shifted with the people. I've seen my horses do things I never, ever, ever thought I would see a horse do mm-hmm. with a client because it's so out of character for them. At home, I have a, a leopard Appaloosa. His name's Danny. He's 27. He's an old man. He's grouchy, you know. He's always been grouchy. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> he's like Rick. He's always been grouchy. But he's he's an Appaloosa. He's very standoffish. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like to be rubbed on the face. He doesn't necessarily want to be touched by everybody that comes into the room. Whereas Indy, and they were in the same herd together, is very attention-focused. He loves attention. Mm-hmm. I stopped one day at a gas station to get gas, and I had a horse trailer, and I had Indian Dandy in the back, and this little boy about four. Oh, my God. I'm like, yes, of course. You know, come on. So I opened the side door. Indy sticks his head out. He wants to introduce himself. He wants to be loved on, rubbed on. When I walked over to Dandy's side, he literally stepped to the right as far away from the window as he could get, <laughs> put his head up, and you could see his eyes roll like, oh, my gosh, hurry up. <laughs> and when I shut the door, he stepped back over. He's like, okay, good, the kid's gone. Wow. In a session with a client, such horrific trauma, the client couldn't speak. When they opened their mouth, they would just cry. And that horse walked up to that client, stepped behind the client, put his head over their shoulder and pulled them into his chest like he was holding them. 
And reflexively, the client reached up to him. Mm -hmm. They didn't even realize they'd done it. Yeah. And he just stood there and held her until she stopped crying. Mm. And she dropped her hand and went on with what she had to do. And I thought, he's never done that to me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love him. I feed him. That's Um, my horse. That's my horse. But he never does those things. I've seen him do that with two clients. Wow. In all of these years. And I've, I've never seen him do it again. So. It's that much care. Like, yes. Sense it, but they needed someone. Yes. <sighs> that is beautiful. And just looking at the time. I oh. hate, I hate, I hate <laughs> to end this because I'm just having such an amazing, like, oh, this is beautiful. But is there any final thoughts that you would like to share about the Bridges program or about any of your horses? If you're looking for a unique therapeutic approach, what I would like to share with people is, because people think, oh, I'm coming into the barn. I'm just going to have fun with horses. Mm -hmm. We want you to enjoy the experience. But this is therapy. Mm -hmm. They are facilitators. We have a team approach. And in our barn, those horses are as integral a part of the team as the equine specialist yes. and as the therapist. They are facilitators, and, and we, we look at them that way and we respect them um, for their role in all of this. Mm-hmm. It is therapy. It is psychotherapy. It is a unique approach. But if you'll come in with an open mind and be willing to give those horses a chance to Mm-hmm. to see you for who you are, which you can't hide, mm-hmm. but reflect that back to you. Mm-hmm. You'll get where you need to be very quickly. It's a very unique approach. They bring to therapy a, a, a powerful impact beyond anything I could relate. Um, you really just have to come in and see it for yourself which is what we do so often when we introduce this to people and groups and organizations. Yeah. I can explain it to you, but come into the arena. Let us do a demo for you and you see for yourself yeah. because it is so powerful what they do mm-hmm. that you really have to see it and experience it for yourself to understand it. When we were talking to Cumberland Hall about coming down, I told him, I said, this isn't the catch-all, the end-all in mental health. No. Mm-hmm. no. But for people who are, who are honestly seeking help, they don't even have to be honest with themselves. Mm-hmm. They're just honestly seeking help. This will help them. Those clients who are coming in who just love the drama and love the thought of being in therapy and want to regurgitate the drama of the week who really don't care to be helped, they just want your ear for an hour, mm-hmm. we're not going to help. Because the horses aren't going to suffer a fool. They'll, they'll pick up on that in a New York second. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, the drama queen keeps coming out and coming out and coming out. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, that wall starts to fall. Yeah. Because what they thought, huh, I'm just going to, no. Mm-hmm. Let the horses do what they do. But the ones that come out initially who are just honestly looking for help. See? Drama. <laughs> they, get 
You want to talk about drama? <laughs> so it works on both ends of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really does. Because nobody are... escapes the arena, no matter what you bring out yeah. here, no matter yeah. how you approach it. Even and, if you and, think and the you're ones just... I enjoy the most are the ones that come out and say, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. This is so stupid. I can't believe I'm even out here. Why do you make me come out here and do this? Six weeks later, they're an entire different individual. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're loving their horses. They want to come out here. Can we volunteer? Can we come back and do this? Can we do that? <laughs> no, uh, no, you can't. But no, 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 you can. There's an ethical line we don't cross. But yeah. mm-hmm. but you watch them transform mm-hmm. from that. I'm just here burning everybody's time mm-hmm. to an actual therapeutic work in action. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting to watch. Horses don't let you off the hook. Nope. Mm-hmm. nope. They just keep prying and pushing and prodding and moving toward until you start to see it. Yep. Yeah. They'll pester you till you they'll pester you till you say it. Kind of like a wife. <laughs> You're so funny. You know they're going to leave you in a minute, right? <laughs> <laughs> Plus he's getting his chair back. Oh he's like, oh. my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Fixing the goat. So, fireball. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> At the end of our podcast, we like oh. to do a fun little thing where we ask some rapid fire questions. Oh, Lord, okay. Just to lighten the mood. How do you feel about that? I'm good. Let's go. You're good. Let's I'm go. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> I like to ask the first question because this is my favorite. Okay. If you could have any superpower in the world, what superpower would you have? I would fly. Fly? Mm-hmm. Yep. How about you? X-ray vision. X-ray vision? All right. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. I love it. Okay. You might want to sit out for this <laughs> What is the one gadget that you cannot live without? Oh, the one gadget that I cannot live with. Can it be big? It can be anything. It's your gadget. The pickup truck we have. Oh, I live and work out of that thing. It's got all kinds of gadgets that I can plug in and work stuff off of. Yeah. Yeah. My truck. What about you? I don't you don't have a gadget. <laughs> I don't. Look, look at me. Do I look materialistic to you? You know, yeah, seriously, gadget. does it look like? Well, listen, a gadget doesn't have to be electrical. Didn't we have someone say a can opener? Someone did say a can oh opener. Yeah, I know. It, I'm it, not it, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> this is why it's like, what is it? See, that interesting because the first thing that came yeah. to my mind was my horse trailer again because yeah. I work out of that so yeah. much. And the pickup truck. Well, it's the only way to get from point A to point B to, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Okay. Hmm. Well, an easier one. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? That's not easy. That's not easy? Oh you don't gosh. have a go-to? <laughs> I do. Butter pecan came to mind. Rocky Road and mint chocolate chip. Okay. Is that wrong to have three? <laughs> no, not at not all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, butter pecan. Butter pecan, yeah. That is a goodie. That's an oldie and goodie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All that, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite cereal? Oh, my goodness. Golly. I think Raisin Bran is the first thing that came to my brain. I don't eat a lot of cereal, but Raisin Bran. Wheaties. 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 Okay. (laughs) Right. So I'm asking horse people, but if you could be any animal in the world, what animal would you be? An eagle. An eagle. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. They can fly. Mm -hmm. They can see. They have a bird's eye view of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're majestic. I'd be a wolf. A wolf? Yes, of course you would. I could see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could see that about you. I like that. Um, 
I'm going to deviate because I'm going to ask questions. Kim, go ahead. What's your life motto? I know where you got that question. <laughs> they tried to bury us, but they didn't know we were seeds. Ooh, oh, that's a ooh, good ooh, one. Ooh. Yeah, that ooh. hangs in my office. Oh, My life model? Mm -hmm. Oh, you'd have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we have the, uh, what's it called? Ex explicit we're explicit content. sometimes. We say fuck okay. all the time. <laughs> okay. this, I'm just saying, sorry if I didn't make, you can That's say okay. whatever. <laughs> if every person lives by a code, mm -hmm. and most people aren't even aware they live by a code, mm -hmm. but there are certain things that you will do no matter what it costs you. And certain things you will not do no matter what cost you. And that is your code. Yes. So it's not really a motto. It's more of a way of life. Okay. That you try to portray. Hmm. And I try to live my code. I know what mine is. Mm -hmm. And I try to live it and I try to portray it. And I try not to ever fail it. Hmm. Powerful. Thank you. Yeah. So this is my last question. Okay. Who is your favorite band or musician? Oh, you go with that one. Marsh Tucker Band. Quick to it. Marsh Tucker Band. Oh, yeah. That was very decisive. That mm -hmm. was a. Yeah. Yes. You know what music you like? Marsh Tucker Band. Yep. Misty is surprised by that one. <laughs> so you must have been thinking he was going to say something else. No, I'm sitting here thinking, though. You know what comes to my brain? About three different things. <laughs> Me singing in the shower? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Can you find it on Spotify? Oh, no, you cannot. He makes up songs in the morning to help me get going, which is not helpful, but it makes him feel good about himself. Oddly enough, the one that comes to my brain is Journey. Okay. And the song that went through my head is Don't Stop Believing. I just thought, see... <laughs> That's right. That is a great, that is one of those feel good yes. songs. And I yes. love the lyrics. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I like that. And a lot of times when we're in here and nobody else is here and I want to ride my horse, I turn on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Really? One of my favorite channels is Miranda Lambert. <clears throat> um, I just like her stuff and I think we could be friends and she's a cowgirl. Yeah. <laughs> because the music helps me get out of my head. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about everything going on. I'm just listening to music and moving with my horse. You're in the present moment. That's what yes. music does. That's why yes. I like to ask that question. Yeah. 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 Music is very powerful. Yeah. I think Miranda Lambert and I could be BFFs. Mm -hmm. We just haven't met yet. <laughs> I say that about a lot of people, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of times. She's like, this person's my mentor. They don't know it, but they See? are. <laughs> yeah. My last question for you all. Okay. What is your favorite go-to beverage? Sweet tea. I guess Coke Zero would be yeah, what I go for. It is. Any like particular, because you know, we are kind of in the South. Mm -hmm. So, like, we had um, a person on our podcast that loved McDonald's sweet tea. They're like, best sweet tea ever. Oh. We had somebody on our podcast who said, Old South sweet tea, mm -hmm. Dunkin' Donuts sweet tea. Mm -hmm. So is it just sweet tea in general or is there like one of your like absolute favorites? I have to tell you some of the best sweet tea I ever have is Rick Baker's because he makes it for me every week. Oh, he really does. He makes it, makes the best sweet tea. But if I'm going to buy it out somewhere, Chick-fil-A. 
You know, they do have really Chick-fil-A good tea. I like their really lemonade. Mm-hmm. I've had their oh, lemonade. Oh, they have great lemonade. Yeah. Because their sweet tea is not too sweet. Yes. You know. That's the argument. I've never... I'm from I'm from Pennsylvania, so oh. I'm, I'm from the north. <laughs> people yeah. people are not thinking about sweet tea up there, but I think it's I think it's fun to listen to everyone like I know my sweet tea, I like mm-hmm. my sweet tea, and this is yes. the kind that I like. It can't be too sweet, or it has to be super sweet. It's yes. really, the it's further south you go, make... the more syrupy like it becomes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you take a knife and okay, that's enough. <laughs> and then and down south, like um, I have Ken Falls down in uh, Savannah. Mm-hmm. And they are diehard like Lipton. Oh. And then my husband, he introduced me to Tetley. Mm-hmm. And I'm yes. like, okay. Mm-hmm. I always grew up on Lipton, mm-hmm. but okay. I'll, yeah. I can see this. I grew up on Lipton. Rick mm-hmm. makes me lose in. That's another good one, too. Yes, I forgot really about that good. one. It really yeah. is good stuff. He makes good sweet tea. Mm-hmm. That's because he's sweet. Oh, he, I, I said that out loud. Don't tell him. We're going to edit that part <laughs> out. That, 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 part ain't, that part ain't true. So you don't have to worry about it. Everybody watching this knows that's not true. Um, final, um, if people want to find you, mm-hmm. and of course we'll put in the details section and when we put it on Facebook, I'll put like, I know y'all have a Facebook page yes. and I'll put all your information up, but okay. how can people find you if they've, saw today they've mm-hmm. listened and they're like i'm ready for something different how can they find you call me 270-302-9383 270-231-3618 um, we're located on todd bridge road um, but everybody just you know make a phone call first mm-hmm. we set up an initial appointment to do paperwork and mm-hmm. have the therapist do an assessment mm-hmm. make sure this is an appropriate approach for yeah. them and put them on the calendar. Do you guys accept insurances? We do not. Okay. We have up until recently. Yeah. Um, but we do not. We are private pay. Okay. We have some contract work that we do. Okay. But no, we do not. Um, how many therapists do you all work with currently? Currently, one. Okay. We have another young person coming on board that has gotten certified and has recently... <laughs> left the army honorably discharged who is a veteran and a young Ooh. a young person with a lot of education and a lot of experience nice. in the army served at fort campbell as a matter of fact we didn't meet her through cumberland hall we met her through Gollum. nice so yeah Very cool. we work with lonnie lyles at counseling connections he's our primary therapist yeah well misty and rick first off thank you so much for allowing us to come into this beautiful space patsy banjo (laughs) thank you very much for allowing us here today cheyenne annie lakota chessie envy and dirty harry thank you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, look at that that's just beautiful Sweet. We thoroughly enjoyed this. Oh. Like this is just well beautiful. Thank Very you all exciting. so much for braving the cold weather with us. <laughs> I'm all about the cold exposure. It's oh, good for yes, my nervous system. Oh my goodness! Nice. Yeah. yeah. So thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Thank so, you. So much. also thank you to um, all of the amazing listeners out there and um, people who are watching this. Yes, these horses are huge and they can be scary, and uh, it's a beautiful experience. And just want to let you know that you can change the world tomorrow just by listening today. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, we've made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. 
We hope you'll take something you heard today and use it to change the world tomorrow. We wanted to thank our music producer, Seth Hedges, from Uriah Wild Media. His website is in the show description. Also, a big shout out to Roddy Newton, our technical advisor. See you next time. This project was supported by Grant Number VOCA 2020 Green River 26, awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the U.S. Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this program are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. Thank you.